2: Should the Reds move on from Jose Barrero? Should Tyler Stevenson move to first base? And what exactly are all of these different rule changes going to have an effect on the game for 2023? We answer that and more on today's conclusion with our conversation with Chris Welsh.
0: You are locked on
2: Reds. Daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker, who will be along in a minute as he finishes up his conversation with Chris Welsh on today's podcast. Today's Locked On Reds podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day, thanks as always for making us your first listen because we are free and available on all platforms, and we thank you so much for being a part of the show with us. Here on today's episode, Chris Welsh and Steve Offenbaker will finish their conversation kind of breaking down how the season went. They're going to look more at the guys in the batter's box, a couple of guys that the Reds may or may not move on from. Tyler Stevenson, should he be moved from catcher? Should he be moved to first base? And there are so many rule changes coming in 2023 that we break down kind of what Chris believes is going to happen with all these different rule changes. That's on today's Lockdown Reds. Thanks so much for, uh, checking us out if this is your first time make sure that you're subscribed whether you're on youtube right here thank you so much for watching or if you're listening make sure that you're following us on your favorite podcasting app and if you missed part one of our conversation we talked about the pitching and the impact of hunter green nick Lodolo, and graham ashcraft on yesterday's podcast so go check that out but now we will finish our conversation between steve offenbaker and chris welsh as we look at the hitting let's let's shift over to some hitters
3: because there's some interesting scenarios beginning to develop and and a lot of a lot of questions without a lot of answers right now but there was a couple guys that got extended looks in 2022 and i just want to get your your take on them i want to start with jose barrero because I feel like maybe this season was his last chance to really show something and, and he didn't do it. it. Do you think that they're ready to give up on him or uh, is there still time for him to, to submit himself a place on this roster? I, hope not.
0: I mean, I hope they're not ready to give up on him. He's 24 years old. I mean, he's basically two years out of college. I mean, if you look at it like that. And uh, there are some people in the organization that I think that uh, are really high on him. He's a, he's a polarizing guy in the organization. Okay. Because there are some people that don't like him at all. That think he was never going to learn to hit a slider and he's playing every day and he plays good shortstop, but, and then they'll say, look at the strikeouts, look at the batting average and so on. Well, you know, I would say to that is that you're playing a guy in right field that is hitting for the third year in a row under the Mendoza line. And he, is 27 years old, not 23 years old. So uh, I think it's way too early to, to, to pull the trigger on Barrero and move him on. I think he's got too much talent. I think he's got a good swing. Um, this is a tough place to hit nowadays. I mean, it's never been harder to hit in the major leagues than it is now, especially as a right-handed hitter, especially as a tall right-handed hitter with a big strike zone, especially as a, as a young man who's never seen the kind of consistent slider that every right-handed pitcher throws nowadays. The difference between hitting nowadays and hitting back even ten or fifteen or twenty years ago is that there is never a fastball count anymore. It's never a fastball count. It's always a slider count. Three and zero, three and one, two and zero. Doesn't matter. You're not getting that fastball like you used to. So it's hard to hit. And I think that uh, you know when people learn that, they're going to be able to temper a little bit with. Barrera, what's your what's your goal for Barrero? Is he ever going to hit 300? Nobody has 300 anymore, unless right. they're a slap hitter. Um, I mean, if you hit 240, you know, with 15 bombs, I mean, you're you're a really good hitter, and um, so I, I think that really I like the kid. I really he's um, I wouldn't pull the pull the trigger on him at all right now. But I can tell you that there are some people in the Reds organization that have seen enough. So it just goes to show you it's, it's uh, the baseball evaluation, uh, not science.
3: Well, let me ask you about another guy that's had several years now. And and I think as much as you're saying that uh, there's a split opinion on Barrero, I think there's probably a lot of split opinion on this next guy I want to talk about. And that's Nick Senzel, because I've been high on Nick Senzel from the very beginning. I, I think he's just, the sky was the limit for him. And injuries have derailed him. Some of how he was handled maybe derailed him a little bit. But, you know, he's never quite got to that next gear, that next stage. Uh, is there still... Hope that we can get him there? I mean, or, or is the Nick Senzel, as he showed us who he is? What, what do you think?
0: Well, I, I hope he can get there. I mean, I, he's a good kid. I really like Nick Senzel. I think one of the problems with Nick Senzel is he's never had anybody push him uh, out of the Meyer Leagues. I mean, the Reds, they bring up a... Where's the guy behind him? So if you run out of patience with Senzel and send him down, you've got nobody else but maybe a 4A player or a retread from somewhere else to put in out there. So uh, that's been the problem is that they've been thin in their, in their minor leagues and they haven't had anybody behind guys like Senzel to push. Uh, I think Senzel is a guy that needs to show whether he can play at the big league level or not. And I know that there are people in the organization that really like him. And there are some people that have given up on him. So I think it's up to the player at this point. Remember not every top round pick makes the major leagues as a long-term major leaguer. I mean, you, you, you get drafted because of tools and now it's up to the player to figure out whether he can play up here or not. Do you think
3: it's going to continue to be outfield for him or, you know, we saw him get a couple looks at, hmm. at the infield, a couple looks at third base in 2022. Could you see them nudge him more towards that super utility role that play a little bit of everywhere, every day kind of thing?
0: That might be uh, a good spot for him. You know, right now that's a spot that maybe Kyle Farmer could play, although he probably doesn't play center field. Uh, but that would be, you know, nowadays with baseball, you know, they're always thinking about versatility and utility and my roster and how am I going to get more players and more positions covered and so on. So I think that's the one advantage that Central has. But the disadvantage is that he's got to stay healthy. Um, I, I don't know whether it's luck uh, or, or what with him, but – Uh, It seems like every time he begins to get on a little bit of a roll, something crazy happens. And, uh, uh, you know, until that's solved, um, it's going to be a problem. The easiest way to solve that is to have other players behind him that can take his spot. Because if you're betting on one person and he continues to underperform for whatever reason it is, injury, whatever, um, you're going to be constantly disappointed if that guy never comes through. You better have somebody behind him. And right now, over the last few years, that's been the difference between the Reds and, say, the Cardinals. The Cardinals, they'll give a guy a good look. And when they run out of patience, they've got somebody else to plug in. And if that guy doesn't make it, they got somebody else to plug in. And uh, the Reds don't do that. And maybe they don't have the talent. I'm not sure. But uh, you've got to have somebody pushing that player. Um, that's one of the most important things there is.
3: You know, it's interesting. I had Mo on last week and he pointed at the Cardinals too for how they've been handling things and doing things as an example of, you know, where the Reds should try to get. So it's it's interesting that now two weeks in a row, uh, the Cardinals have been used as an example. Uh, sure. And I think you're right.
0: I mean, let's go a little deeper into that. I mean, you can get onto FanGraphs uh, fan and look at their roster resource and find out how many homegrown players you have. And I think that at the beginning of the year, anyway, the the Cardinals had like 20 homegrown players on their 40-man roster. And um, a lot of other teams had, you know, 10, 11, 12. The Reds are pretty good at 15, I think. But, I mean, that shows you that they're doing something right. And um, they're also advancing players that they think are ready to play in the major leagues. And they're not afraid to bring guys up. And it's always been one thing that the Reds have been reluctant to do is bring players up to the big leagues because they don't want them to fail. And they are under the impression that if you fail here the first time, you're going to be ruined forever. And uh, I've never quite bought into that theory, but that seems to, to continue to persist.
3: Yeah. I was, I was really glad to see them bring up Spencer steer there at the end of the season, at least let him get a look and start to acclimate to the major league level because I think he's another one that could uh, really be a big part of the team as early as this coming season.
0: Uh- I agree. I, I really I like his swing. I like his approach. He um, showed me he's a little bit better defender than I thought he was going to be, uh, especially being moved all around the infield. He, he's another one of those utility type players uh, until he can settle in at one position as a third base. I don't know. I mean, when is first base going to be available? Is it will it be available at the very beginning of the year? Will Joey Votto be uh, active and ready to play or will there be an opening in April and May? Uh, that we don't know until we get out of spring training, but Spencer Steer is certainly probably going to be in a big league team next year.
3: You mentioned Kyle Farmer, and I wasn't sure if I was going to talk to you about him or not, but, but since you name dropped him, uh, let's, let's spend just a minute on him. Uh, $6 million arbitration number looks like for him heading into 2023. Uh, I guess the first question is, do the Reds pick that up? Do, do they pay the $6 million?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, uh, they've got $45 million committed to two players that really haven't been very productive uh, last couple of years. You're not sure what's going to happen with Votto and Moustakis. Uh, so the Reds are in a, a tight financial bind because of some of the decisions that they made over the last 10 years. Um, the, the 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 Farmer thing is he's the MVP of this team. Now, you may say, mm-hmm. well, a team loses 100 games. Who needs an MVP, right? They could have but they would have lost 110 games without Kyle Farmer. I can Mm -hmm. tell you that he kept the team together in the clubhouse. He kept the team together on the field. He came through many times overall. his numbers aren't great. Uh, You know, I I don't know if the Reds fight. It's going to be a completely a financial decision on Farmer and not a baseball decision. If it's a baseball decision, it's a no brainer that he comes back. If you don't have the money in your budget, I understand because you're allocating money elsewhere. Uh, So It'll be a shame to see him go, but uh, he was a great guy to have around, I'll tell you that. And he would actually, you know, the Reds, um, I can tell you this that of all the players that were inquired about, I mean, other than guys like Luis Castillo, right? But at the trade mm-hmm. deadline, Farmer was the most asked about player. And the Reds didn't trade him because they knew what the value he meant to this ball club this year. Uh, whether they feel the same way next year with that price tag increasing to six mil or so that's, a, that's it's probably going to be a financial decision rather than baseball. Uh, but it, it's hard to get more of a quality guy than Farmer. If he was on, the, on the, uh, the Cardinals, he would have been a hero there. If he was on the Mets, you know, you start naming the playoff teams, he would have fit in perfectly in a number of different places. And I'll tell you what, there are general managers and managers out there that love that guy. And I'm one, I'm one, of, the, one of the broadcasters that loves him too
3: you know uh, you call him the mvp i actually did a couple weeks back name him the 2022 mvp yeah. for the red so I, I am right there with you on that one uh should
2: tyler stevenson move to first base chris welsh has some thoughts on that coming up next before we get into that, though, I wanted to take a look at the odds for the upcoming World Series: the Phillies and the Astros. One team, very obvious that they should be there. The Astros have been absolutely a juggernaut all postseason; haven't lost a game yet. And then you have the Phillies, who were the last team in in the National League, and here they are—they're in the World Series. So who am I picking? According to Bet Online, the odds uh, for the Phillies are plus one sixty-five, and the odds for the Astros are minus one ninety. So obviously, the Astros are the favorites. And uh, Bet Online, I'm following along with them. I'm picking the Astros in this one. I think Dusty's going to get his first World Series, which so well deserved for Dusty Baker, but. More than that, it just feels like the Astros are the more complete team here. They've got the better starting pitching. They have a slightly better bullpen. I, I think it's deeper uh, for them. And then the lineup, I think, is very close. You could probably give the edge to the Phillies, but I'm going to pick the Astros in this one as I think their pitching will shut down the Phillies in this series. I don't think they're going to sweep them, though. I don't think we're going to be talking about you know a perfect postseason for the Astros, but... They will get this World Series win, and we can talk about trash cans and all that good stuff afterward. But if you want to talk about the best place to find your next bet, it's at betonline.net. Betonline going get you covered when you're talking about the World Series. The NFL season is in full swing. You've got college football. College basketball is around the corner. NBA basketball is happening right now. Plus, you've got hockey Hockey's hockey is a lot of fun to bet. I haven't tried it yet, but might have to dabble in that this season. And if you want to find the best bet for your money, it's betonline.net because betonline is where the game starts.
1: This lockdown podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home, but I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent that is until I found
2: Coming up tomorrow on the podcast, we are going to dive into the importance of a couple of different guys to this ball club in the future and look back on their seasons, uh, in 2022, because this is the portion of the off season where we really try to figure out who's going to be here whenever the Reds are good again, because yeah, it's going to be a year or two and pretty sure about that. Anyway, let's get back into our conversation. Should Tyler Stevenson move out from behind the plate? Let's talk about Tyler Stevenson for just a minute, Chris,
3: because you know, I am, I love Tyler Stevenson. I think, you know, him at the number four spot uh, is an exciting time when he's healthy. Uh, I'm worried about keeping him healthy. And there's, there's a school of thought to try and limit his exposure behind the plate. And I want to get your take on this. You know, I've kind of argued it and and I've been bashed over the head every time I've said it, uh, to try and split him up into like three spots, maybe 30 so percent behind the plate, 30% ish down at first base. And then the rest of his time as a designated hitter, what do you think the best way to handle him is? Is it just to keep running him out there at catcher? Uh, what would you do with him?
0: You know, that's the way insurance companies uh, set their rates, right? The, by the number of miles that somebody drives. If all you do is drive back and forth to school and church and your your total number of miles per week is 25 miles, you're going to pay much less in insurance. And, and I would pay say, commuting, you know, uh, 100 miles a day, right? Because the exposure is out there. So, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, where is he going to be best fit? I think right now... The, the, the obvious answer is you got to place him behind the plate and you got to play him every day. I mean we saw what what the Reds have behind him in the in the minor leagues and I mean they didn't even, they, they had one other guy on the 40man roster at the beginning of the year who was a catcher. Mike Colesberg, Mark Colesbury, he's gone now. He got picked up obviously mm-hmm. uh, in the waiver wire. So I mean, they got nothing down there. Uh, they brought up Oki. he couldn't play. Colesbury couldn't play. Uh, they bring in these other guys that uh, you know are 4A caliber players. Um, you know, nothing against uh, these players, but I mean, you know, Austin Romine um, batted 150. I mean, can can you have can you have, you know, your your bottom three guys in the lineup all hitting 150 and expect to have any kind of offense at all? You've got to play him every day. And I think that until if you're going to have him mesh with the pitchers and understand the pitching staff and so on. You've got to put him in a lineup as absolutely much as you can. And if he gets hurt, hey, it's it's, it's going to be one of those injuries that is a bad luck injury. It's not going to be a uh, an injury, you know, like a hamstring or something like that. It, it, the injury I imagine you're talking about is concussion syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and, and uh, hey, what, what are you supposed to do? Uh, n- not play? Not drive? Because you're afraid of a wreck? <laughs> My opinion is you play him every day. And uh, make him the centerpiece of your ball club, because that's where he should be. I guess
3: if everybody keeps telling me I'm wrong on this at some point, I should probably listen, huh? <laughs>
0: Cause everybody
3: argues with me that, that, that to, to what you said, basically that there's not anybody else to catch. Uh, he's he's, you know, the luxury of a of a, a great hitting catcher is something that you don't have every day and you've got to just kind of roll with it. So, I mean, I, c- I can see that. I really can. And and yeah, the concussion thing is what bothers me. That that clavicle injury was a freak injury. Yeah. I mean, that might not that might not ever happen again in his entire career. But the concussion thing does worry me a little bit.
0: Remember also that the catcher's equipment are getting better and better every year. And they may be able to, by the time we start the season next year or beyond, you know, come up with a better face mask that'll take more punishment and and not uh, be so prone to have concussions and so on. So I think the advancement there is important. Uh, But, you know, the risk is there. There's no question about it. I mean, the the risk is there. And it's a shame because this kid's got superstar written all over him.
3: Before we get you out of here today, you know, you – I don't know – if you if you embrace this this label of you but it's it's pretty true that you're a baseball rules expert i think that you know your your baseball rules academy has really you know elevated people's you know recognition that you really know what's going on as far as the rules go uh, there is a lot of of rules changes coming and, I, and I'd like to get your take on some of the rules that have been implemented and some of the rules that are going to be implemented. But before we transition into that all the way, I did want you to talk a little bit about uh baseball rules Academy and
0: what we might expect in the off season from that site. Well, yeah. Thanks for asking me about that. It, it, it's been a good, good journey with baseball rules Academy. We have, um, uh, you know, grown our subscription base uh, it's free. You know, I think we have a, a paywall up there when somebody reads 10 articles or watches 10 videos and so on. then you, you know, you're you're forced to pay $4 a month or something for that. So I think it's well worth it, number one. It also gets, eliminates the Google ads if you're able to do that. So uh, I appreciate everybody who's been on there to do that. Uh, I've learned the rules from that. So it's kind of, I've never really started this website so I can make money because I'm not making money out of it. I don't, I haven't taken any out of it yet, Uh, but it's my way to saying thank you back to the baseball community for allowing me to have a career, you know, around baseball. So um, it's been good. Um, uh, What you're going to see this year, uh, we're going to try to become a little bit more attractive to the baseball fan rather than the fan of baseball rules. Right now, I've got a very targeted argument or, or, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. audience. It's like, you've got to be a rules nerd. To even log on and look this stuff up. I mean, who cares if a guy runs out of the baseline? How many, how you know, you know, how many bases you get on a second play in an infielder? You know, going out of play. You know, who, who cares about that? Are you allowed to run on an infield fly rule? Those are the kind of things that baseball rules nerds want to know about, um, and uh, I'm there for them. But we also want to expand that. So I'm, I'm recruiting some columnists. I'm recruiting people who are interested in writing uh, for you know and be published because we do have a fairly wide subscription base. Uh, we're sending out to many thousand people every time we do a mailing. And um, uh, so um, it's an open letter to, to any of your listeners and and viewers that are interested in, uh, you know, getting involved in some way or another. It doesn't have to be rules related. It just has to be baseball related. And uh, we're also going to put together a full-fledged, uh, like a rules course this year with, uh, maybe umpires would be more interested in this than others, but, uh, they really tailor towards umpires and umpire associations so that an association can better grasp what knowledge their own umpires have of the rules and everything will be online. You can do things as your, as your course wants it, you know, just a regular full fledged, professional looking online course. So we're working on that and, uh, it's been fun so far, but thanks for asking me about it. it uh, yeah, it sounds
3: like the the Chris Welsh uh, master's class on baseball rules is what we're going to get. That sounds that sounds pretty exciting. I may uh, I may take that myself just because well, a, I, I, I'm, rules I'm nerd, a rules if you call nerd.
0: That exciting or not, but uh, yeah, I, and I think what's kind of in the wheelhouse with this is all the changes that are coming up because there're going to be a lot of questions: how it's going to affect the game, what is my roster going to be different. How am I going to draft if I'm a a fantasy league player? How are things going to be different there? So there's a lot going on here related to the rules uh, that I think uh, could be very interesting. Yeah. Shifts,
2: pitch clocks, rules, rules, rules. We've got a lot of rules talk coming up for you and the impact that they're going to have on the game, and that's coming up next. Before we jump into uh, finish the conversation here with Chris Welsh, we wanted to let you know you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow the show at Lockdown Reds. You can also follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs, and you can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs uh, as we have takes and talking points outside of the show there on Twitter. Also, make sure you're following the podcast on YouTube and click that bell to get notified. That way, whenever we post new content, You'll know about it first. All right, let's finish up our conversation with Chris Welsh as we look at the new rules. Well, let's let's talk about a
3: few of those. Let's talk about a few that have been implemented and just get your quick thoughts on them. We've seen rules like the the extra inning ghost runner and the three batter minimum for pitchers. Let's just start with those two. What do you think about those?
0: Well, the three batter minimum for pitchers, uh, I, I think, is is done what it's wanted to do, which is eliminated, you know, the overuse of pitching at the very end of a ball game where a guy comes in and pitches one third of an inning and then the next guy comes in and pitches one third of an inning and pretty soon you're you're looking at three relievers in the same inning and they're each taking their seven warm-up pitches and it takes forever to get through the last part of the inning. It's almost like um, at the end of the game, the game screeches to a halt. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was one of the observations that Joey Votto made when he was up there doing Reds games on TV and radio. He said, man, this thing slows down to a halt. You know, you don't realize it when you're playing, but you do realize it when you're watching it. And, uh, you know, what Major League Baseball has found out is that people leave, you know, two and a half hours into the game. They're out of there at 9.30. I can watch the stands in every ballpark there is. It's like they're giving out bags of $20 bills in the parking lot at 9.30. (laughs) People are out of there. So you got to figure out a way to do that, and I think the three batter minimum has helped that a little bit. I think that what would help a little bit more is to reduce the number of um, warm-up pitches a pitcher gets. Don't call him out of the bullpen until he's ready. But when he's ready, he doesn't need, you know, five pitches or seven pitches to get warmed up down there. Give him two warm-up pitches and a third one counts. That would make it a little bit more interesting, wouldn't it, going to the bullpen? Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I think that that that's that's not happening next year. So the free batter minimum is good. The ghost runner at second base, which is going away, um, I thought it was a pretty good rule. Uh, I thought that it, I would see more managers bunt. Um, it, it's, it's amazing how you have this rule in effect, and you have a runner at second base and nobody out, and you got a guy on the mound throwing 100 miles an hour, and you expect your hitter to hit the ball the other way, so that he could move that runner to third base. It hardly ever worked. And managers after manager would tell me, oh, well, we're you know we on the road, we're playing for two runs. Well, I see a lot of times where the, the visitor team didn't score, and then the home team didn't score either. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's unfathomable to me. I, I just think that, you know, I'm going to sound like an old guy shouting at the clouds, but, I mean, if you can't hit, how about bunt? How about, have, I never see players working on it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so anyway i i i think that um that's gone away it's something that we're going to see uh long with with what we're seeing already in in the postseason here this year we're going to see long stretches of games where games take on a pitching energy from innings 11 through 15 or 16 and nothing happens and you're going to be going through the motions and you're going to burn out your bullpen we're going to have more injuries and so on. So I was a, I was a fan of that rule. Uh, maybe not in the postseason, but I think it's, it's it's just hard to hit nowadays. I mean, the average hitter is hitting a you know two thirty nowadays. Um, it, it's it's just too hard to hit. You, know, you, you got to figure out a way to put put more balls in play.
3: It's, it's interesting you bring up the bunt because, the, you know, there's there's a, a new a new school thought processes where you don't give away outs and all this thing. But I think you hit the nail on the head and it's that teams don't work on it anymore. And I don't think you can ask a guy to go up to bunt that hasn't worked on it at all. And I think that's a failure of, of preparation, right? Uh, they haven't taken advantage of that opportunity and, and gotten themselves ready to exploit it. Nobody practices it.
0: Well, I agree. and Nobody practices it. And, and the, the cop out is, well, you know, in today's game of baseball, we need more runs. We got to play for multiple runs. And uh, but I think that's wrong because score one run in extra innings and then see if the home team can score a run. You know, why do you think you need two to win a game? Uh, you don't. You know, Mm -hmm. if you score one run, that means that the home team has to score two to win. If they only score one, you go to the next inning, you do the same thing again. So it's because of the inability of players to actually bunt. If they took as much energy into learning how to bunt as they do in getting launch angle and getting bat speed and, and figuring out on their iPads what the pitcher's throwing them and all that, hey... You'd see more action in extra innings, but of course, now that 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 goes runners away, Mm -hmm. you know maybe the bunt's going to go away for good. And probably well,
3: except that. Interesting segue there, Chris, because there's some new rules coming. Major League Baseball has stated a desire to create energy on the base pass. They want to see the return of the running game. And by way of uh, making that happen, they are making the bases bigger uh, in an effort, what they say, to increase stolen bases. And maybe bunts come along with that.
0: Perhaps. Perhaps. I think the base dealers, I mean, I think you're going to have a little different, more athletic player. Um, be developed and come up. Who can run a little bit? I, I think that's going to help. the The bases uh, being a little bit bigger will certainly make that bang bang play at second base maybe favor the, the the runner. Although we hardly see anybody running nowadays, I think the the more important thing and what the umpires are telling me is that Major League Baseball is going to start really. Um, cracking down on those pitchers that are doing all the shimmying and shaking and the double toe taps and all that kind of stuff to offset the the timing. I think that's right now. And uh, I think as soon as they do that uh, and they eliminate the, the ability for a pitcher to, to rock and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and then stop, you know, pitching has gotten way ahead of hitting and um, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it's obvious because in, nobody scores any runs anymore. Uh, and they, if they do, it's a blowout and pretty soon you got in a position player and they're pitching the seventh inning. So, uh, I think that, um, yeah, that'll be the other part of it. And, uh, it'll be more exciting for certainly. I, I think the stolen base is an exciting part of baseball.
3: Well, I saved the big one for last, Chris, this is the, the big rule change is the banning of the shift, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Is it good? Is it bad? What do you think the impacts are going to be? Uh, This rule probably more than any of the other ones is going to change a lot of things.
0: Well, I guess so, but I think it's probably over, over. I think we we're estimating it's going to change to more than it really will. I think that uh, what I read and I I listen to guys who I think are uh, pretty good baseball thinkers, they're telling me that the average left-handed hitter a guy like Jake Fraley or even Votto, Avato maybe not because he doesn't run so fast, but uh, you know, it may mean 10, 10 base hits a year. You can still position that shortstop right behind second base, and as soon as the ball leaves the pitcher's hand, he can be moving into position. Uh, you can, you can, um, you're going to have to bring your second baseman in a little bit uh, if he's going to play in the ship. Because you, and you better have a guy over there with, with a great arm. For instance, you know, uh, on, with certain left-handed hitters, I don't know the answer to this yet, but if you've got Barrero playing shortstop and, say, Jonathan India playing second base – um, well, Barrero covers way more ground and he's got a better arm. Why not flip-flop those guys for that batter, right? And they stay in there for the entire batter. Now you got Barrero kind of ranging out there and you got India playing up the middle. And, and you know, so you, I think it's overstated what it's really going to do. Um, I, I just don't think it's going to be as much. Teams are going to figure out what to do. But the question I got for you, Steve, is that if you've been watching the postseason, I haven't, I have been. I've been asked this of any of my stat guys yet, but I'm going to, I'm seeing more and more base hits going opposite field. I mean, almost, it seems to me anecdotally, more than 50% of the base hits I've seen the postseason are going opposite field. And I'm not talking about the home runs. I'm talking about the Mm -hmm. base hits. And uh, that tells me the guys are just trying to make contact and they're hitting the ball the other way. And I think that there has been even among the Reds coaching staff, there's some Reds coaches that think, "Oh, well, you know, when a guy hits the ball against the shift, he doesn't really mean to do that. That's an accident." And, and I say oh, that's hogwash. I'm, I'm watching a guy hit, hit the ball inside out, and he's taking the ball the other way. So I think that the you know the, the smarter hitters, if you're going to give the, the full side of the infield, go ahead and do it. But I think that you're going to see more uh, slugging. Um, with, with the absence of the shift, you know, here's the other thing. You, you, you're you you're taking away the penalty from a big lumbering left-handed hitter to hit the ball on the ground. So he stands up there. Let's take Kyle Schwarber, for instance, okay? Okay. Doesn't run great, plays hard, has tremendous power. He's trying to hit a home run every time, right? I In think. the shift, when he doesn't hit a home run, he puts a ball on the ground, it's likely an out. Against the shift, with no shift that is, um, the penalty isn't there that once was. So you're going to have guys like Schwarber trying to hit more home runs all the time because if he mishits it and it gets on the ground, he's got a way better chance of getting a base hit out of it than ever before. So I think that the the baseball is kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit by thinking that you're going to keep guys from trying to hit home runs by taking the shift away because that's not going to happen. Plus, I think overall, it's going to be overblown anyway. You're looking at 10 extra base hits a year. It's not that big a deal.
3: And I think you're right. There probably has been an over demonization of the shift because along with the shift also came the launch angles and the increased emphasis on home runs and 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 changes to the way batters took their approach anyway. I mean, you know, the guys like uh, Tony Gwynn, as an example, that would go go for that 6.5 hole, right? Like purposefully work on trying to consistently go the other way. They don't do that anymore. Much like the bunting, nobody works on that. And I think that, you know, as much as the shift took some things away, the the lack of the work on those things, I think took away a lot of the opposite field hitting as well. I would agree. Well, Chris, this has been great. I tell you this every time. I, every interview is better than the last. Your stories are always better than the last. Uh, I learned so much from you. I appreciate you taking the time and, and giving, you know, guys like me doing things like this, a, a chance to talk baseball with you. Uh, it's, it's always a pleasure.
0: Well, Steve, thank you for having me. I'll tell you, uh, I respect you and, and all the locked on res and a number of, of, you know, podcasters and writers and so on that are into, into baseball. I mean, you understand the game, you you're interested in it. Uh, you're learning about it and I'm, I'm here to help you anytime you want. And uh, thanks for having me on.
3: All right, he's Chris Welsh. You can follow him on Twitter at ThinkPitch and check out BaseballRulesAcademy.com to learn more about the rules of the game. Chris, thanks a lot. We'll catch you next time. We'll be back.
0: Good day.
2: That was an awesome conversation that Steve got to have with Chris Welsh there. Great two-part episode. Again, we break down the season, take a look at the pitching, taking a look at the hitting, and we look forward to next year with the rule changes. If you missed any part of it, make sure you go back and you check out part one. A lot of great stuff in there, Uh, but that's going to do it for us here today. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening and making Locked On Reds your first listen. Now make Locked On Sports Today your second listen. Peter Bukowski has you covered on all of the big news in the sporting world, whether you're talking about baseball, football, basketball, all of it. We've got you covered on the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's just like Locked On Reds, free and available on all platforms. We are going to be locked on, Reds, every single day throughout this off season, so make sure that you join us.
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.